Hi there, this is Mike Quinn, Nine Numb from Return of the Jedi, The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi. You're listening to Canned Air Podcast. Welcome to another episode of Candare, your tribute to comics and pop culture. I am Jeremy Colley. I'm Jack Doherty. And I'm Jake Runyon. And joining us today to talk about his comic, Death uh, Death of a Horror Anthology, currently running on Kickstarter, we welcome Kelly Brack. Thanks so much for being with us, Kelly. Oh, thanks for having me, man. Got a good show lined up for you today in our Retro Roundtable. We're going to be talking about the works of Jim Henson, which was inspired by Jack, I think you had sent... Maybe about uh, after 50 years, uh, was it Carol? Was it Spiny Spinny? I'm not sure. Spinny, I I thought it was. Spinny? Yeah. Retired Uh, from being Big Bird. Yeah. Yeah. That's incredible. Well, we'll touch on that when we get in the episode, (laughs) into that segment. (laughs) Uh, Then in the comic vaults, what do we have to talk about, gentlemen? I've got a little something called bookworms. And mind you, that's spelled W-Y-R-M-S, sort of the... The Dragon Way, which I thought was fun. Okay, and it's uh, it's it's pretty wild. I'm excited to touch on it a little bit. All right, cool, Jack. And from Caliber Comics, I have the graphic novel Fisk, the Substitute, which is an acronym, Substitute. Oh, it's a big one. <laughs> we'll find out. Yeah, okay, we'll find out okay. more about that later. Yeah, I saw the cover when you uh, came in. I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. Very cool. A few things we'll be talking about there, and then we're going to turn our full attention over to Kelly and talk about Death of the Horror Anthology. But before we do all that, Jake. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Check us out on all three of these things and more. We keep up to date with new episodes, fun things we're talking about, stupid, inane jokes that I find on the internet. So please gratify my pointless activities. And uh, like and share and retweet and find us on Twitter at CandairPod, Instagram at Canned underscore Air, and Facebook, if I'm not mistaken, is also at CandairPod. Yep. Okay, good, because I mix those things up about half the time. <laughs> but uh, yeah. And if you really, really like what we do, head on down to Patreon, where just a couple of bucks a month can more or less change our entire life. And uh, hit that $5 threshold, you have access to the exclusive Founders Club Patreon-only podcast. There it is. And one thing I've been forgetting to do uh, the past two weeks, as we are now in our third week uh, with our residency with the band Hail Sagan, I've been, I always forget to tell at the top of the episode yeah, right. that we are featuring one of their songs at the end of the episode. So uh, this week uh, being the final week of the residency, we're going to be featuring the song Hater Bait at the end of the episode. And this was just released a few weeks ago, yeah. uh, their most recent single. single. So check it out. And uh, I'm excited. We already have a, another band to start featuring. It is yes. very exciting. For next week. I am stoked. I hope we keep the music and uh, the bands uh, sending us their submissions. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty pretty thrilled that we're doing this. I am you know? too. I am too. If only to expose us to more cool fucking music. Yeah. 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 Let's keep that ball rolling, right. people. Send us those uh, those that, those tracks if you need some exposure for your band or you know a band that needs some exposure. Uh, send them our way. And with that all behind us, let's just kick it off with this week's Retro Roundtable. And away we go! Go! <laughs> <laughs> Shut up! Shut up! All right, gentlemen. The works of Jim Henson. I think we need to first touch on the fact that uh, this gentleman uh, was it. Was it again, Carol Spinney? Spinney. I feel horrible that I don't know that (laughs) like that. I probably should. But he was uh, at uh, uh, Gen Con this year. Was he? Abby and I went. Yeah. He's. It's. I'm surprised he only just retired. He is an older fellow. Yeah, he's sure. been at it a long while. But by God, he was there signing autographs. I don't know if you guys have actually uh, seen how Big Bird is done from the inside. Do you guys have any no, idea? No, I'm not. On the news sure. when they were talking about it, where I saw the the information about him retiring, they showed like a a cross section of how he stands in there. It is absolutely incredible. Incredible. The stamina and, he has had to have is. Yeah. Insane. Not only is he strapped to this huge bird suit, you know, one arm is actually, you know, through one of the of Big Bird's arms, mm-hmm. and the other arm is straight up controlling the head. Oh, yeah. that must be agonizing. It has to be. Now, there are also no, there's no way to look out of the costume. He has a little TV monitor that's mounted <laughs> on the inside of Big Bird. That, that's how he sees what he's doing. And then above and around that are the scripts. 
Good like on the Lord. inside of this thing. So he he had a TV monitor in the inside of the Big Bird suit. Yeah, like a little tiny monitor. That's how he saw where he was going because there was there was no way to see out. It's like Bird. a little submersible, but on land. Yeah, or something. <laughs> yeah it's incredible. What if, what if there was like a visual delay? He would just be bumping into all types of shit. Well, that's that's the danger. When you're a pro, you yeah. work around it. <laughs> That's yeah. why I don't think anyone's just going to come in and fill those shoes <laughs> yeah. exactly. But they're not retiring the character, are they? They just—I think they are. Are they really? Yeah, because wow. there's he did the voice and everything too. So Shoot. instead of getting someone yeah. to match Big Bird, he's he's gone now. That's almost the more respectful way to go. Uh, yeah, I think so too. No one wants diet Big. Not Bird, necessarily man. around Thanksgiving, though. That's not bode well. <laughs> All right, guys. I just wanted to touch on that because, my God, what a 50 years of that. I mean, he's got to. I can't imagine this guy's upper strength. Dude. He's got to be ripped, you know? When we had Mike Quinn on that did a lot of the puppets Mm -hmm. in Fraggle Rock and Star Wars, he was talking about after a while, you just get used to it. (laughs) Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, you would have to. (laughs) That's just your life now. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, happy retirement to you, guy. I mean, Damn. you've you've earned it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, where do we go from here, Jim Henson? I found out the other day that Netflix is bringing back the Dark Crystal as a series. Why? I don't know. It's a prequel, though. <laughs> <laughs> oh uh, boy! All right. Well, let's hope for the best. Yeah. I watched it a couple weeks ago. It was actually did you? A the, nice the movie. trip down memory Dude, lane. The yeah. effects hold up. They the do. attention to detail is extraordinary. The, the story is, th- like, basic. But Pretty much. The only thing I had trouble with was, sure, it's supposed to be a big uh, fantasy world, but there was so much going on in <laughs> yeah. each scene. But right. I mean, A lot of, uh, was it, visual overload? Uh, yeah. Overstimulation. Dude, so much. That's kind of how I feel when I, like, recently I just picked up um, some comics of Doom 2099, Doctor Doom 2099. Oh, yeah. And I sit down to read them, and there's just so much shit happening because it's in the future. It's hard to, like, wrap your mind around. Come on, guys. I'm going to go read something else. But um, (laughs) anyway, sorry, I didn't mean to diverge. That's all. That's all. It was pretty funny because Misty had never seen the Dark Crystal at all. I've never seen it. Oh, you know. I've I've never seen it either. No kidding. I don't know. It's it's hard to recommend like now. Yeah, it is because it's it's such a thing that yeah. like if you saw it when you were younger, you're like, oh, Dark Crystal. And, mm-hmm. But I, I don't I know if there's that. anything to draw you to it at this point. No, and you, it's funny because uh, I'm about to say something very blasphemous here. Oh, jeez. But I'm not a Labyrinth fan either. Oh, oh man. man, nothing against that's the best one. Bully. I mean, of course, it's Bully. You gotta love Bully. The but... Sovereign. Um, Brooke, uh, years, years ago, uh, tried to get me to watch it. Well, we sat down and we watched it and I just could not get pulled in. But I, again, I think it's because it wasn't a part yeah. of my childhood. Yeah. You know, had it been, it would have been a totally different, uh, I mean, try and imagine coming into the Wizard of Oz as an right. adult. I mean, like, what the, the fuck, fuck is, is this? this? <laughs> I think I have a soft spot in my heart for Sarah Connolly too. Or Jennifer Connolly. Sarah Connor. No. <laughs> it sounded like her too, I guess. I, mean, I don't know. <laughs> Uh, Kelly, what about you? Jim Henson. I think my first real exposure to anything Jim Henson-esque was uh, the Muppets Treasure Island movie. Oh, mm, okay. That's still one of my all-time favorite. Yeah, one. I know. It's no, I Tim Curry. And I was just going to say, is Tim Curry in I think that Billy one? Billy Connolly. I have yeah. seen that one. Yeah, it was, like, it was one of the first films I saw in theaters, I think. Like, I think Toy Story was the very first one, and then... Believe it or not, phenomenon with John Travolta, <laughs> which was a mis- mistake. Like I, th- I think somebody was drunk, and then uh, yeah, like I remember vividly going to Muppets Treasure Island, and there was something uh, like obviously Jim Henson's like a masterful storyteller, and so like I, I remember the film being very influential at that particular time to like my imaginative state but uh it was also it was dark from what i remember like i think like the opening scene was 
like somebody got like the black spot on their hand and they were going to die soon or whatever. And I, yeah. I just remember being a kid being like, holy fuck. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know what to make of this, but I mean like, yeah, Jim Henson's just, he's amazing. Like I, I don't know what to say. It's like a pioneer of entertainment. So absolutely. And you know, it's yeah. funny that you say that I, I, one of my earliest, like most vivid memories of going to the movies when I was younger was Muppet treasure Island. So it, it, really stuck with me as one of the ones where I was like, ah, the movies, you know? I don't yeah. think I've seen that. Formative. I've seen Manhattan. Muppets take Manhattan. Yeah, I know. I've seen that one a bunch of times. I don't um, think I've seen any Muppet. Christmas Carol. Muppet Muppet Christmas the Carol. is pretty solid. There was a medieval one, too. Remember? Like, there was of some kind. I just remember there being... What was it? Like the mystery they were trying to figure out was... was He was being fed clues by someone who was dyslexic. And they kept saying the hall at the end of the brain, but Kermit at the end figures out they were saying the ball at the end of the cane had to be destroyed in order for the spell to be broken or some shit like that. I don't remember. Huh. Did I make this up? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe Maybe looking you had at a really bad fever one night. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> I feel like there was. I need to. I need to uh, look into that. But um, yeah, the Frog movies. Prince. That could have been it. That sounds right. I don't know if if the Muppets did that. I would I would venture that's to say the that's yeah. the one. I, w- yeah. I would almost say take some time to see Muppet Treasure Island. I think it would still hold yeah. up. I've heard a lot of good stuff about it. And it's it's got Muppets. Tim Curry. It's the Muppets. Come on, yeah. and it's Tim Curry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Two yeah. great tastes. Taste great together. Oh, what? Wow. Tag team. <laughs> I like that. It's and, and on top of that, I think like at the time it came out, it was. Um, it was like a like okay well i'll say this first like movies nowadays are so like overproduced that i think like it would lose the vintage feel that muppets deserves so in like the 90s when the muppets were like in the movies and like for example treasure island i i think that that was the aesthetic that it needed but if it were to be made today like i i don't think they'd be doing it the proper justice with like um the practicality effects wise like there'd be something that would kind of throw it like i'm not saying that they would cgi the the fucking muppets but um i'm just saying that there was a certain like you felt like you're on a theatrical set watching those movies and then uh nowadays it just it just seems overproduced so yeah like i i 100 think that that film would hold up i haven't seen it in years so i don't, I don't know it was like the right union of time and technology what was the last one i yeah. did with Michael or no Jason Segal? It was a few years ago. Well, quite a few years ago, they did a new wasn't, Muppets. Oh, wasn't movie. it just called yes. like the Muppets or yes. something? And it leads right into a, a good point I was going to make. Uh, you know what you said there being a uh, a different feel, and you know I think we kind of seen the same thing with our last few Star Wars movies, mm. and that comes as a result of being owned by Disney. Uh, you know, and um, it's hard to avoid, but you're absolutely right. Um, I haven't seen the most recent one where there was like a evil Kermit, and I think it had a, had Tina Fey in it. Ugh. No thanks. <laughs> um, but I did see the the one you were just talking about. Yeah. Amy, who was it? Uh, Jason Segel. And uh, who was the girl in that? Chris? Amy Adams. Was it Amy Adams? Yeah. Lois Lane. Yes, yes, yes. That um, I enjoyed that. But one thing that uh, that movie. Like uh, Kelly was just kind of saying, uh, it was more of like a novelty of itself almost. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where, and this is a big reason I'm a fan of Jim Henson because I've never been into just really puppets per se, but just what he did with that world. He not when I, you know to say to bring puppets to life. Well, yeah, you put a hand up their ass and move <laughs> your hand; it's brought to life. But even more so than that. His characters have outlived him. You know, Kermit will be on a talk show. You know, uh, I don't know. They treat them like they're real people. Yeah. And the older films before Disney had their hands on it, I think, paid a lot of respect to that. You know, they were just viewed as normal civilians in a in a sense. Does this make sense? No. I'm yeah. And, and now you can yeah. kind of see the gears turning in the background. Yeah. You know, after a while, everything's going to taste like Coca-Cola. It's sure. Once everything's controlled by a certain creative group or whoever, wherever the money's coming from. And again, that one, the movie I saw, the one that brought them back, just Disney's The Muppets or whatever, it was good. I enjoyed it. Sure. But yeah, definitely different feel from those older films. The musical part of it kind of lost me. It was too, I don't know. Back when The Muppets, back in the day when they'd start busting out into music or song, it, 
it was all right, but now it, it just doesn't fit anymore, I guess. I think they uh, were doing good in trying to bring back that feel with the Muppets with that TV show where mm-hmm. they were like kind of like the running the show behind the scenes. And I, I just really baffles me that that didn't do well. Yeah. Yeah, because it was, it was pretty good. It was really good. I enjoyed the hell out of it personally, but didn't last. What are you going to do, huh? Swedish chef. Swedish chef. Dude. Doing karaoke, man. I mean, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> what more could you ask for? That was so good. It's the greatest. I, I think I put that on our Instagram a long time ago. If you dig back deep enough, but anyway, Jake, I've got something a little offbeat for you. This is actually something I saw just the other day. I uh, all right. Let me be the guy I usually am in our conversations. I was looking at videos full of creepy stuff. And I came across something. It was like some nonsense compilation of like creepiest episodes of old kids shows. You know, you go to YouTube and you'll find 600,000 of these that are all more or less identical. But this one had something I had never seen before. And it's a character who was introduced to Sesame Street and taken off kind of quietly very shortly after. Because I don't think it tested very well for obvious reasons. I think it was just called Nobody. I don't know. Does that ring a bell to no. you guys? It was just a face set against a black background, sometimes with shifting colors, two eyes and a mouth made of rubber bands, just shifting and shaping themselves into kind of a rough facsimile of a person talking. It had this very like sonorous kind of mellow voice. And, and it was, well, it sounds creepy as hell. Yeah, it it does. One of the more distressing things I've seen in a while. It was really frightening. And, and I think it was that it came reasonably close to looking like a human being talking, but not close enough, man. It, it was it was bizarre. And apparently it was some, like, half-finished project, one of Jim Henson's, like, more serious ventures. It was like a little short film about the workings of the mind. And it was supposed to be a representation of the subconscious. And I don't know, maybe he didn't want it to go to waste or something, and so they tried it on Sesame Street, but it did not <laughs> last. And dude, I... I'm trying to remember if I really did see it when I was younger or if that memory is like implanting itself artificially now that I'm focused on it. No, it's it's, it's right there. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. I do not remember that. I just pulled a gif up for the listeners at home. Uh, this is, yeah, nothing short of creepy. I can it's see going why on Twitter would, and Instagram. So. Why they would take that off of a children's show. Yeah. Absolutely. yeah. I, that thing's been haunting me ever since. Absolutely. Yeah. So when you suggested Henson for our retro, I was like, oh, I got to talk about nobody. I can find some dark <laughs> shit in there. <laughs> a challenge. Just try me. You remember the aliens on Sesame Street that would show up? They look like just a big a rag. Oh, dude, those they go to answer the yeah. right with the rain, mouth. Rain. <laughs> nope, 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 nope. No, <laughs> those things gave me the creeps all the oh, time. Oh, dude, I love those. They, I love them too, but at the same time, they gave me the creeps. I just think of the phenomena. Oh, that one. I those love little that like one. pink sock looking things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, Kelly. you guys aren't you guys are not going to believe me, but I don't think I've ever seen an episode of Sesame Street. Really. It's so yeah. different than it used to be back in the day. Oh my god, it's Is it? Yeah, I haven't yeah. I haven't seen it in years. But uh I mean I remember back in the day I mean the or like eighty nine, ninety when the Simpsons were brand new, uh that they made a guest appearance on Sesame Street. I, that always stands out in my mind as seeing puppets. that. No, oh. no, as animation, but uh, it's a weird crossover because The Simpsons is not really no for that same demographic. Yeah, no. <laughs> no, the other way around would make more sense to me. Like, yeah. oh, Big Bird's on The Simpsons, and everyone would get a laugh. Yeah, well, huh. I don't think they had found uh, established themselves yet, but they were on mm-hmm. Fox, and Fox was known for smut, especially then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, if <laughs> right, <laughs> the the channel that Simpsons and Married with Children built, yeah. <laughs> Anyway, I remember in the, when I was in the military watching, the only thing that was on TV was Sesame Street because it was that time in the morning. And there was probably like a whole just 15 minute thing of a bunch of kids standing there doing the running man. And then Elmo would come in and dance around and stuff. I'm like, this is what Sesame Street is now? <laughs> what happened? I mean, I don't remember like deep plot points or anything from like back in the day. I think it was always... I don't know. I, I, again, I never watched a whole lot of it. I don't have a lot of reference of it. I watched The Muppets a hell of a lot more than I ever did Sesame Street. I think it was the only thing on Sunday morning when I was growing up, so mm. before cartoons would come on. Especially um, Muppet Babies. Who remembers that oh, one? Oh, I remember Muppet Babies. I hated Muppet Babies. Really? Did yeah. you? I, couldn't, I didn't like them. I had a weird relationship with that show because... I've never been a fan of Miss Piggy in any no. any any fashion. Oh, nah, she like just annoys Piggy. me. Here, 
voice oh Kirby you know like <laughs> oh my god that was amazing <laughs> oh well, thank you god. I'll have to work on my piggy maybe I do like her <laughs> no She's... I don't think you need any work on it that was that was pretty good well, thank you what, what a I, I bet you'd be yeah like I don't know why but for whatever reason I just thought that if you could do like a really good Miss Piggy you could probably do a really good Liam Neeson Holy shit. <laughs> I'm not I'm not weirdly s- enough I see where you're coming from. Yeah, I, guess. <laughs> I I don't know why but that was the first thing that came to my mind. Are you do you, do you know how to do Liam Neeson? I I don't. I'm do not oh, saying man. I have a very special set of skills. <laughs> oh, me. I have a set of skills. <laughs> <laughs> I can do Kermit when I think about it. Like, I have to work on Kermit, but I can get him pretty damn close. Anyway, not what we're here. (laughs) (laughs) No, my VO audition. My time to shine. Uh, um, No, uh, one thing I definitely wanted to mention, um, as far as Jim Henson's impression on me is standing right behind me. The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, man. Oh, yeah. That first movie, you know, Jim Henson Studios did those outfits. And to this day, they can't be touched. Like, nothing that can be done computer graphically can outdo no. those outfits. No. They're phenomenal. That's, I guess that's really all they're I have to say about to it. But, oh, mm-hmm. There's a reason they're still making action figures modeled off those outfits. Yeah. You know? yeah. That's what people want. Wait, are they, are they really? I didn't know that. Yeah, they are. And I, I don't know what happened after that, um, because I certainly don't think Jim Henson was involved with the second one. Maybe they were. Certainly weren't the third movie. Those <laughs> no, looked horrible. No. But, um, yeah, I mean, they, they just looked amazing. And I just watched part of that film the other day, and it still looks so good. Not to mention Kevin Clash's Splinter. Mm-hmm. I mean, it looks yeah. so. Maybe not when he's standing on the rooftop. That's a little later. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, when he's like all hunkered down in his chair, he, he's damn. It's good. It is. What else we got, guys? Anything on Jim Henson? I want to talk about the counting count for a moment because. Uh, oh yeah. yeah, I forgot about him. It's a character I like. You know, pretty straightforward character. He loves to count. And he's OCD the, on counting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's the counting count. I totally get it. Um, but man's a vampire. And on the surface, you're like, <laughs> when you sit down, you're like, the counting count at some point had to sustain himself by killing people, right? <laughs> I don't know if he's stocked up and now he doesn't hunt anymore. But not only has he killed... Some previous vampire bit him to make him into a vampire. In the world of Sesame Street, there are vampires. And obviously they're just accepted enough that they're this universal thing. So maybe in his previous life, he, life, he was just a mathematician. It's just like just, some uh, accountant. You yeah, know? Maybe yeah. he tried to get a children's show off the ground like the counting accountant and no one gave a shit. From Romania. Yeah, yeah. So and now he's just he broadcasting fit. out of Transylvania. Huh? Yeah, yeah. Hmm. <laughs> I, can, I never what? thought about that. <laughs> Mind blow. Yes. I just threw up a little bit. Excuse yeah. me. I, w- I wish that I, I had extensive knowledge on Sesame Street because I'm sure I'd have a lot of shit to say. But everything you just said makes sense to me. I'm aware of a vampire being on that show. And I Googled it. While you were talking, it's a purple guy that likes to wave, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, I'm looking at him right now, and I see your point, but at the same time, not to discount what you're saying, are you digging a little deep oh, yeah. <laughs> for Sesame Absolutely. Street? Not to discredit what you're saying, but and he's a fucking puppet! I am so totally out of things to say on this subject. So I appreciate the effort. Yeah, I'm doing what I can. Cookie Monster end up suffering from diabetes? Oh, yeah, probably. <laughs> Eating too many cookies? Um, real, I will end this on uh, on this note, and it's kind of a downer, but oh, um, a few things to watch on YouTube. One, uh, if you guys remember Mythbusters, uh, Jamie and Adam, Adam Savage, thank yep. you. He has a lot of you're videos welcome. on uh, YouTube. <laughs> I know. I don't know why I said thank you. But, um, there's a video where he takes a tour of the Jim Henson Museum oh, cool. in New York, and it's fantastic. I recommend that. But also on YouTube, Jim Henson's funeral. 
Sounds like a downer, it, but uh, very entertaining to watch. If you're a fan, I would recommend it because, you know, Big, Big Bird comes out sure. and gives a speech. They All the puppeteers are out there with the puppets on their hands singing songs and stuff. It's really I, uh, cool if you're into that. I don't know if I'm emotionally stable enough to watch that at this time in my life. It's it's going to have to happen later on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Mike Quinn we had on the show, he was one of those uh, puppeteers oh, on sure. stage. I wanted to talk cool to him guy. about it, but I was like, yeah. It's always Sounds weird, like kind of a downer to bring up to Or me. like when you're talking about your person's funeral yeah yeah hey how was this other more famous person were they cool to hang around <laughs> you, know, you don't want to uh, give the impression you're favoring one person no absolutely not and we weren't we weren't but sci-fi anyway. had a, a show that was kind of like face off that was based around the jim henson's creature shop oh really they had people come in and compete to do puppets and stuff yeah, that'd be a cool show on its own. Mm-hmm. One of them, they had the the big vulture Skeksis from the Dark Crystal. Oh, they had so a competition cool. to make a new version. I guess it was probably for this Netflix series. Sleeker, sexier Skeksis. They were just as creepy <laughs> as hell, too. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that was I think that was good. Yeah, right? I think so. Yeah. And enjoy your retirement, Carol Spinning. Uh, after 50 years of playing Big Bird, I'd say you've earned it, right? Yeah. And with that, we've got T-shirts, people. we got bullshit with the Candare logo all over it. It's society6.com forward slash Candare pod. Decals, koozies, T-shirts. Wall clocks, bath mats. Does anybody... Slap bands, call hair them, scrunchies. Call them wall clocks other than that website. I mean, are we are we wasting... Like, <laughs> yeah, we didn't really call them that until it was We can just say website. clocks, right? Yeah. Well, what does the wall clock say? People aren't going to be like, oh, was well, that a fucking floor clock? Is or it, a ceiling it a desk clock? clock or one that I would hang on my wall? It's I like need a watch. I, Okay, that's a just point. May, okay, it could be like a little like desktop alarm clock or some mm-hmm. shit like that. But no. you can just say clock. You don't have to signify where it's going to be at. It's like your wristwatch. Well, of course, it's <laughs> going to be on my wrist. Yeah, yeah. It's much more convenient than my belt watch. <laughs> <laughs> belt watch is coming soon to Society what 6. What time is it? Oh, let me check my balls really quick. <laughs> Society6.com oh, forward slash Pod. Go buy some shit and humorous people, please. <laughs> I don't know if it's going to work. It hasn't yet. <laughs> no. We see money trickling yeah, every once it, in a while. Now and again. It's always not enough a, to a even treat. raise an eyebrow at, but hey, <laughs> at least somebody's wearing our shit, right? If anything, it's excitement because someone bought something. That's exactly right, Jack. That's exactly <laughs> right. And with that, let's swing open the door to the comic bolt. Who would like to go first this week? I'll go first. Okay. <laughs> Okay, so I'm really excited for what I have here. Uh, we had maybe three weeks ago the guys who uh, did the comic Fuhrer and the Tramp on, yeah, and we did a whole X Men themed episode, and they were well read on that subject. Yeah, that they were. And one thing that they brought up as their each of their definitive uh, X Men stories was the Astonishing X Men. And um, the tale they told about it seemed really cool. Their passion was infectious. By the end of that episode, I was like, maybe I should look into this. That was the whole ending with Jubilee, huh? Or not Jubilee, but uh, Kitty Pride. Kitty Pride. Yeah. yeah, I haven't read it that far yet, so mm. don't don't go saying shit. I don't remember <laughs> okay. what it was, <laughs> but um, something to do with Kitty at the yeah. end. But uh, so then the very next morning, I go to work and I'm talking to somebody, and he goes, "What you What you guys talk about last night?" I said, "Oh, X Men." He goes, "Oh yeah, you know the best story I ever read was an astonishing X Men," and he went said the exact same shit that those guys did. Guess mm. it's unanimous. So yeah. I that same day on my lunch break went straight to the library and picked them up. And I have read uh, now Volume 1, and I still have to read Volume 2 here. Uh, This was done by Joss Whedon. You remember when we got uh, Netflix, around the time Netflix was at least fairly new to me, there was a, remember the motion comics that used to be on Netflix? Yeah, yeah. yeah. This was one of them. And I didn't realize it at the time. What a shame you don't really see those Mm -mm. anymore. No. Well, I think with the rise, anytime anything gets popular, Netflix pulls that shit yeah, down. Yeah. With, and I'm ex- I'm really scared because I still watch uh, the Clone Wars on a regular basis. <laughs> and now that Disney has a new, you know, that continuing the series, I'm just waiting for that mm. shit to disappear. And it's I'll, pro- oh, I'll be upset. I'll be upset. Oh, you want to catch up? Nope. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you had your time. <clears throat> anyway, I, uh, I, like I said, I read volume one, and I'm not going to go into details about what this whole huge book was about because we'd be here forever. But part of it, in a nutshell, is what I gathered as Joss Whedon's take on what maybe he would have done with the third movie a little bit. <laughs> you remember how The Last Stand introduced The Cure? Yeah. Uh, they do that in this book, but much more tastefully. Much more tasteful. <laughs> My mind went straight to the band, The Cure, for some reason. 
I don't remember them being in there. No. <laughs> well, I don't want any Robert Smith in this episode. No, thank you. Um, nothing against the Cure. I like the Cure. Anyway. It's a time and a place. It's yeah. not um, uh, yeah, that's one of the things that's in here. Another thing that's really cool, uh, the danger room becomes sentient and <laughs> sets out to kill everybody. So that turned out pretty damn cool. It had a very uh, Age of Ultron kind of feel. Well, it's kind of their it. fault yeah. for building something so dangerous. Yeah. Right, right. Well, so uh, a few things, though, I did want to uh, point out of this book that are just huge takeaways, I guess, are just... Um, Building the building of some of the characters, Scott, for example, um, Scott Summers. You know, I've always liked Cyclops. He's kind of a pussy, though. Yeah. You know, right? Am I wrong? It's, but it's hard to argue at that point. After this book, I, I beg to differ. I, I have a different look on it because he kind of shows his full power. He takes his visor off and just lets loose and just decimates. Like I think the movies and the animated series kind of pussified Cyclops. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But, you know, not only did it show him laying waste to a huge chunk of, like, wooded area and think like, enough to leave you like, holy shit. He talks later with Emma Frost about how he has to constantly be paying attention to the energy coming out of his eyes. Because if he, if he doesn't, it could just keep coming out stronger and stronger. And he doesn't know what would happen past the point of his eyes mm. being out. You know, if the, his head would just blow yeah. off and it would just... So knowing that he's got that constant battle, that constant fight to keep shit at bay, you know, he's uh, he doesn't have his powers under control like so many huh. other people do. Because yeah, on the surface, it seems so controlled, you know, he's exactly. got his visor. And- yeah, so I, uh, I really liked him after reading that. And, you know, I know this is a writer's take. You know, it's probably not definitive, but uh, I still rather enjoyed it. Joss Whedon, though, so... Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, another part is uh, with Beast. And you see moments like this throughout the, the book um, where just that animal instinct kind of takes over the... Uh, the, the sophisticated right. scientist. The, the rational part of himself. Right. And there's a point where the danger room, which after it takes its, uh, you know, its sentient form, is they just call danger. It, uh, it manipulates, it makes wings for itself so it can fly around, you know, kind of torment from air. And when Beast sees this, he goes, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a bird, I'm a cat. <laughs> I got this. <laughs> and it just shows him going through the air Tearing, it looks like it's uh, taken the form of female, tearing her out of the sky and just with all four, uh, with the arms, legs, and mouth, ripping it from, you know, down to its last bolt. And somebody walks up and says, Hank, is everything good? And he's still in that instinct and turns over, like, while he's over his kill, going, Mine! Mine! (laughs) It was awesome. It was awesome. So many things in this book to talk about that I'm not going to bore you all with. I can't recommend it enough. And again, I haven't even seen the big thing everyone's talking yeah. about yet. So, oh, shoot. check it out. Astonishing awesome. X-Men. Hmm. Who is next? Kelly, would you like to go next? Uh, sure. Um, wh- like, I I have a few, if that's okay, but I'm yeah, pretty quick. Absolutely. Uh, a good friend of mine, his name is uh, Jed McPherson. Uh, he has a book that he put out Um that people could buy off his website and everything. Uh, it's called the show and it's kind of like, a the Truman show kind of meets, I don't want to <laughs> classify it under the wrong meeting point, but it's, it's like a darker version of the Truman show, like a more, uh, okay. Well, what it is, is it's a man who's kind of put in solitude and, uh, being watched and, Oh, old boy. That's that's the one. So it's Truman Show meets old boy. Okay. Pretty much. But it's I I am absolutely not going to go into really any detail other than that. But what I I've read uh, the first few issues because uh, I was lucky enough that he sent it to me in PDF uh, for me to read in my free time, and it's amazing. I absolutely love it. And he's like one of the best writers. Um, out there uh, right now so yeah I'm reading that um, new stuff is kind of hard to like keep up with if you're trying to create as well but I've been I'm behind on Shanghai Red but I'm reading that currently and I love it Josh Hickson's one of my favorite artists and Chris Sebula is incredible uh, so I'm reading that but I tend to kind of go back um, 
to the older stuff and read it like stuff I've read like numerous, numerous times. So Alan Moore's Swamp Thing is what I'm reading right now. And I could read that like front to back every time. I feel um, like somebody's brought that, mentioned that on the show before. Mm-hmm. That's supposed to be very really, really good. It's amazing. Like it's uh, because this isn't a spoiler because I mean like the 80s was a long fucking time ago (laughs) but yeah like the the fascinating thing about it was um to begin alan moore's run was he added like scientific method and meaning behind the character from the get-go so it's like almost not to um kind of discredit what len wine and uh bernie wrightson did before him but um it was more of like a campy character and and the monster of the week kind of feel to it. But then when Alan Moore came in, it became more of like a poetic, I don't know, like Shakespearean kind of feel to it where, where you really cared about um, Alec Holland and Swamp Thing. And, and it was more of a love story than anything else. So it was kind of like a modern take of Beauty and the Beast. But his entire run is like my favorite um, run in all of comics. And so I'm, I'm kind of making my way through all the trades of that right now. But yeah, I, I guess that's kind of what I'll, what I'll say. I, I, I could talk like all night about it. So I'm going to end it there. It's Alan Moore's Swamp Thing is kind of what I'm reading. Awesome. Cool. That sounds awesome. Yeah. I mean, anytime you uh, give a character like that, any kind of a background or, you know, yeah, imply any kind of uh i guess feeling or emotion they may have yeah you definitely humanize them a little bit yeah you definitely link some uh what am i trying to say you you can find a relationship you it's can find better sympathy that way. yeah there you go thank you <laughs> just want... smart Sorry. ass that's not God what i damn it <laughs> right. Jeez, jeremy can you pick it up a little <laughs> who's next i'll, I'll go uh, next yep i said it okay well Fight! <laughs> so I've got Fisk the Substitute. Mm-hmm. And he is a substitute of the educational system, but not a substitute as you would think. I guess uh, that the director of education gives the principal of the school this business card of this substitute in case anything strange happens in the school that they will call this one. Just so in case Mrs. So-and-so gets sick from science class, they don't call him because he's actually a specialist. And in this school, he gets called one day. He comes to the school before it gets started, and every, they've got everyone, all the teachers waiting outside. He gets to go in to find out what's going on. He finds out that there's something going on in the science department, walks into the science department room, and there's a guy standing there saying, hey, I'm making a bunch of copies. But there's a green glow, and there's actually a bunch of copies of him. <laughs> it's a, about a 190-page 100, graphic novel. What I've explained is just the prequel to it. I didn't get too far into it today because he actually got... They sent it to us today. Oh, okay. But the substitute actually stands for Specialist Utilized by Schools to Immediately Terminate Unexplained Tactical Emergencies. So they're basically (laughs) like the men in black of the school system. I like it. And kind of strange happenings go on. In school. In school, yep. Wow. That's different. Yeah, it's definitely different. I was so I had no idea what it was about going into it. But so if that kid who eats paste in the back starts lifting things with his mind and setting fires, they call the substitute. The substitute. Yep. That's it. <laughs> Very cool. That's by Caliber Comics, and the writer is Dino Caruso, and it was drawn by Sean Rich- Richardson. And that's at Caruso Comics and at Caliber Comics and at Sean Richardson. Just being on Caliber alone mm-hmm. ought to speak to the the merit of uh, the comic. Yeah, I mean, yep. they they've got good titles. The so. artwork kind of reminds me of '90s comics, I guess, kind of. Mm. Just the maybe it's just the the color palettes. You give all those characters maybe. Like two tons worth of steroids and a bunch of guns. <laughs> I'm not seeing s- nearly enough biceps. Right <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's something that reminds me of '90s comics, and I think it's maybe the. I think the like colors. the characters themselves kind of look uh, dressed from the '90s, maybe a little bit. Yeah, that's what it is. Maybe. Anyway, it looks good. That's pretty cool. Right on. I'll probably have yes. him on the show. I'm down in the future. Let's do it. All right, Jake. 
You know what? In the interest of preserving this story, because like I've said a million times before, when an author puts it all out there for free, I don't want to spoil anything. I'm going to give more of a shout out than a than a breakdown of bookworms here. I'd like to start by saying that it is, uh, according to the author, a young adult social fantasy about the power of knowledge, which is kind of underselling it, I think. Not that I think she chose the wrong words, but there's a lot going on under the hood. Uh, first off, the art style is... This is going to sound weird, but like soft, like the gradients are so clean in the colors. Everything comes together. It's like warm candlelight. That sounds stupid, but if you saw a picture, you'd understand where I'm coming from. Everything is uh, has this kind of luminescent quality. Mm, yeah. the colors are defined, but not garish. And I, I think artistically, just right on the surface, it's incredible. Um, and the story, as far as I understand it, is uh, follows two characters who work in the largest repository of books within this fantasy setting. And I tell you, any comic that starts with a big, nice, detailed map of a fantasy world, I'm already stuck. So uh, I would really just recommend checking this out, going in cold, seeing everything it's got to offer right off the bat there. Uh, this was created, if I hadn't mentioned it already, by Lorena Garcia, who you can find on Twitter at Lorena Garcia Art. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, just throw an RT at the end of her name there. And uh, please check it out, because it's, it's really excellent. I think she's done something incredible here. Still active. Looks like it updates every Thursday. Oh, nice. So, yeah, check her out on Twitter. Check out the comic and enjoy. Those stories with maps, I don't know how many times I caught myself flipping back oh, and forth dude, I just to oh, find yeah. out exactly where they're you at. You see, you're like, oh, it's real now. You know, yeah. it just <laughs> yep. really yeah. grounds you. So, yeah, bookworms. You know, it's funny. You said that. I, re I remember uh, years back when the Lord of the Rings films were coming out on DVD, I was working at a Sam Goody, and we had big Middle Earth maps. Yeah. And, and I would sit and try to, like, say, okay, so they went this way. And then they, you know, <laughs> I could map their whole track out. It was, uh, it was fun. All right. Very good. Very good. Another successful trip to the comic vault. And with that behind us, let's turn our attention over to Kelly and talk death of the horror anthology. Kelly, thanks again for being here, man. No, like, thank you guys. Seriously, it means a lot. And your your book is on Kickstarter for another 48 hours from the time we are recording this now. But by the time it posts, your Kickstarter will be over. So we are in the, we are in the final stretch mm. there, and we wish you the best of luck. But tell our listeners about Death of the Horror Anthology. Yeah, well, uh, in short form, or I guess elevator pitch form, it's um, it's... The theme is inner demons, so that's kind of what is connecting all of our stories. And it's the the thing that really uh, there's there's such like a, a long story behind this project, and I'm so emotionally invested in it. Um, but like we we tried last year and it didn't um, succeed, and we reevaluated and we we came back at it and. Uh, by the way, uh, I know I just said in short form and elevator pitch, so I threw that out the window. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm going another direction, just in case you haven't figured that out. We were unsuccessful, and and then um, graciously and and just amazingly, a lot of the creators wanted to continue, and the plan was to take it to a publisher and and um, go that route, and then. Um, reshape it or whatever you want to say re redesign what we're trying to do and throw it back on kickstarter and and as you said like we're we're down to the last couple of days right now um it's not looking the absolute best at the moment um but um to sidetrack because i i'm gonna address that right now if you guys don't mind Sure. Go ahead. Um, there's there's probably a lot of creators that may be listening and um, are doing their own projects and um, want to yeah want to put their stuff out there on Kickstarter or any kind of platform or whatever. At this very moment, it does look like we're we could very possibly be unsuccessful yet again on Kickstarter. But for anybody listening wanting to do your own thing, like it's that is something that. You have to get used to, so don't be discouraged by it. Because, like, I know I'm I'm in that moment right now where, like, I, I don't want to let down any of the creators involved, and and we are a team and everything, so it's not going to fall particularly on 
one person, if it succeeds or doesn't succeed, uh, succeeds, I pluralized succeeds for whatever reason. Um, but yeah, I mean, like it's, it's part of the, part of the deal, um, with creating something. So it's a little heartbreaking, but at the same time that you can't, you could always go back and reevaluate what you already reevaluated and, and take another stab at it. So, um, the book itself though is, yeah, as I said before, theme of inner demons got a lot of, um, uh, well-established creators, um, that people are very familiar with like Fide Ayala, uh, Emily Pearson, Brian Level, uh, Ryan K. Lindsay, Lonnie Nadler. And then you have, uh, the up and coming creators. Um, the one that I mentioned before, Jed McPherson is part of it. And Chris Sheehan, who's like one of the best artists on the planet. And, um, uh, like Cody Sousa and Stephanie Cannon. It's, it's just like such a great group of people involved telling these, incredible stories that we we all feel is significant to us at least because when you're telling a horror story you're trying to personalize it to a certain degree because you have to ask those questions as a creator like well why is this scary and what are the emotions and what scares me personally and and it does become a very personal experience and in such a short frame of storytelling because we have a 10 page limit uh, it's it's a tricky thing to do to tell a personalized horror story in in ten pages, sure. and everybody did just an incredible job. Like every every single story is something to to talk about, and that um, I know I for me like I'm super proud of what everybody has done, and I know they're proud of what the work that they put into it as well. So. Yeah, it's been like a very humbling experience trying to uh, put this thing together. And um, I love every single person that has worked on the book. So hopefully um, the projection of not succeeding doesn't pan out and we could pull through like I'm hoping. But uh, we'll we'll see and we'll tr- we'll try to get it done one way or another. But I'm going to shut up now. Can, <laughs> somebody somebody could tell me to shut up. I'm no, not at all. <laughs> no. I mean, we've been working, or I shouldn't even say be working, but we've had so many Kickstarter projects come through here. And one thing you hear time and time again is that you get those spurts of backers at the beginning and at the end. True. So, yeah. um, you know, you could still see that surge come. But if not, Kickstarter is not the end-all, be-all of comics. No. If, you know, if it doesn't go through, I mean, that's, what, a hurdle? Yeah. And, you know, I... I would even go so far as to say, like, culturally, we're so stuck on, like, sudden breakout successes, mm-hmm. you know, that it kind of paints this picture that you have to knock it out of the park first try right off the bat, and that's how you make it. But I think, really, as with anything, it's it's a measure of how long you're willing to persevere and keep things going. So that's what it's all about. If, if it's something you're passionate about and you see it through to the end, it's already a victory. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we uh, even with this show, we've hit so many of those oh, moments dude. where we're like, "Oh my God, why do we even like, <laughs> let's, just, let's just stop?" But you know, we the, we the term flatlining and, has been thrown around now and again. Yeah, yeah. that it has. But um, and each time, I'm like, "Thank God we didn't stop." Yeah. Thank God, thank God. You know, not that you guys, uh, not that it sounds like you have any ambitions of stopping, but uh, you know, just I guess hammering that point. If it doesn't happen with this Kickstarter, that doesn't mean it's not going to. And happen. you got a great team behind you with a great concept, so. Yeah, and when is horror not in vogue? Dude, man? Serious, yeah. there's always something to be afraid of. Horror's always fucking awesome. Timeless. Yeah, you, and, and you, you pretty much scooped every question out of my brain with everything you, you said there. I was going to ask about your team, but man, it sounds like you've got one hell of a team behind you. And I mean, I've seen firsthand, I looked on your Kickstarter there, and this is some beautiful work. Yeah. It's been about, for, for me and, and a lot of, the people involved like a year and a half of chipping away at, at this, at this project. And I, I know for, for me, like, although like there's, there's a reason why I'm using the word unsuccessful as opposed to fail. Sure. And that's, that's because there's, there's a very big difference between those two words. And, mm-hmm. and I, 
I don't think um, if something doesn't work on Kickstarter, like you were saying, like that's that's not the end all be all. But that's also not the um, that doesn't mean that you can't retry again on Kickstarter. Right. Like oh, if yeah. you so choose, like it's a scary fucking thing because like I mean this the second time that this project for for us is going on Kickstarter and now uh, if it is unsuccessful yet again, then I mean. Do I think that a third time is possible? Uh, no, 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 no. I'm not going to be that guy that asks himself a question and answers it. I hate those fucking people. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I almost did it. I was so fucking close. Oh, man. Um, you caught yourself. That's what matters. I did. No, I know. I know. It's so true. But, uh, yeah, it's it's a tricky thing. And uh, with with anything creative, though, I mean – think i'm so sorry like somebody already kind of touched on this briefly with um with what they're saying so I'm, I'm sorry i don't remember who it was but uh with anything creative because i believe you guys used your podcast as an example it's like if mm-hmm. if you're not prepared to go through like the, the hardships and the fact that something might not work or the fact that um like I know for my personal endeavors, if if I'm like doing a pitch, like you have to be prepared for your pitch not to work <laughs> because it doesn't mean that your story is bad, but it just means that maybe your story doesn't fit with what a publisher wants. And there's like all forms of hurdles that you have to go through. And, and um, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It's you, you have to be prepared for it and you have to take it with a grain of salt and, and um, still remain on two feet to to persevere and keep moving forward because if you let something like this defeat you, then maybe you're not gonna <laughs> you're just not gonna like what else is waiting for you at the end of the road. So it's fine and it, it'll it'll find its its way one way or another and I'm I'm confident of that. It's just well we'll see what happens in the last two days and then and then we'll. Uh, if we have to reevaluate, we could do it as a team because everybody is is great. And as I said, I, I love everybody in this this fucking project. And if it pulls out a what's a good analogy? I want to like I want to sound super smart. All right, give <laughs> give me a second. What's a really good analogy? No, I'm not going to come up with one. So, like, if, if it if it like crosses Rise out of the, the ashes line, like a phoenix, yeah. there it is. Uh, oh my god, yeah, <laughs> that one. Although it was like awfully dramatic and probably used like a thousand times by <laughs> so many other people, so their originality is so lacking. But like, I, you know what, you said something and I didn't. So who am I to judge you? But. But yeah, like I mean, like either way, it's it's not a, a failure. It's just maybe a, a little setback. Sure, we'll that's the creative journey. Yeah, anyone who's had to make something, take a step back, look at it, pitch it out a different way. Yeah, exactly. exactly. As long as you learn what you might have done wrong before, then you're good. Oh yeah, like learning from from any experience is crucial to to a creative endeavor. So. And how? Damn, that we experience don't is experience. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Like, I, I, I'm pretty sure I use this reference like on another podcast, but I, I don't know why my mind goes here. But what you just said reminded me of my dating life. <laughs> you said just whatever. I should have just said what I shouldn't have tried to overexplain it. A bad experience is experience. There you go. Put it on a T-shirt. That's my dating life. It's fine. Very perfect. <laughs> yeah. Now, in the meantime, is there anywhere listeners can go to check out anything uh, Death of the Horror Anthology related aside from the Kickstarter? Or is that the only place at the moment? Uh, at the moment, that's that's the only place. Um, okay. But uh, the I highly, highly encourage uh, if if you do go to the Kickstarter, look at the uh, the creators involved and. Uh, Give them a follow, and because uh, they're all just like a class. Is that something people say? A class, or yeah, am yeah. I just like thinking like a, a class plus world, world class, a grade? They're all a graders. 
eight do people say a graders or do <laughs> they do now they're, they're top class okay. top, they're top, top shelf top shelf there we yeah. go top shelf they're Figured top out. shelf i i should be in like a, a wing back chair with like a shotgun if i'm gonna say sh- top shelf ever but <laughs> but um uh, yeah like they're all they're all uh very good there you go and <laughs> Yeah, give them a follow because like their projects that they're doing in individually are astounding and um, could not possibly be a better group of people in this project. And especially um, our editor, Danny Lore, who is just one of the most talented fucking people on the planet. So end of sentence i talk way too much <laughs> no you are good and i love the passion you have just talking about your creative team yeah. i mean it's, it also goes to uh, it's a testament to the the merit of the the project absolutely so uh we're going to uh keep pushing this out to people in these last 48 hours for you and uh even past that i mean yeah. i think this is something that needs to be on people's radar whether or not it's uh currently funding or not that way when it does come back for that uh that next round of funding that uh, more people will get on board and at the very least to help you know expose the work your team is doing mm-hmm. oh thanks guys projects and uh, no, Kelly, that's amazing you're on uh, twitter at noir uh, comics correct yeah that's right anywhere else anyone can uh, find you uh i'm on instagram at brack comics and then I, I have Facebook um, more actively and prominently. I'm, I'm on Twitter, though. So right on. That's what your yeah. boys at Candare like to hear. <laughs> yeah. Nice. That's, that's, our, that's our platform that's right our there. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly, man, thank you so much for being here with us today. This has been one hell of a blast. Uh, it's been refreshing for some reason. I don't yeah, know why. Yeah. It's been a good episode, though. But, uh, yeah, thank you so much for being here. No, like, thank you guys. Like, honestly, I, I could not be more appreciative. And I, I had a lot of fun talking to you guys. And if you ever want me back, I swear to God, I do not. Uh, no, I always say stupid stuff. I was going to say, like, I'm not <laughs> going to say anything stupid if you guys want to talk to me again. But I will. I was holding back. I was going to say so many stupid fucking things. But... Hey, we invited. If stupid shit couldn't be said on the show, we wouldn't have a show. Oh, my God. Right. You ready for three-minute like... episodes every week? <laughs> <laughs> when when I said Liam Neeson, like, I almost, I almost had, like, a really, really amazing creative aneurysm. Like, I just wanted to go <laughs> off about, like, Liam Neeson for, like, 20 fucking minutes. But I kept saying in my head, I'm just like, well, what would Liam Neeson do? And he wouldn't do that. So, like, that was... I have a so, bracelet that says yeah. WWLMD on it. What would Liam Neeson do? I ask myself on a daily basis. Probably kick an ass oh, or two. You got that right. You got that right. Very good. Or, oh, yeah. See, like, I'm... Oh, man. Yeah. There's so many Liam Neeson jokes. Like, my head just hurts right now <laughs> i know oh, we're God. going to have our retro on when uh, oh, we yeah. have you back kelly we'll have liam, neeson. liam neeson themed <laughs> retro round get table. behind that that's what's going to happen yet. it will happen and i will save it for you kelly all right that's 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 oh, right you got the candare scouts on right <laughs> can can i just have a little confession i know very little about liam neeson same here. Okay? I know that he was in a few movies I like, and that is more than enough for me. Mm-hmm. We'll figure it out. Okay. We'll figure it out. This show's 99% winging it anyway. How much shit you think I know about Jim Henson? <laughs> <laughs> Not a lot, but we made it work. Yeah. Yep. We yep. made it work. That's what we do. <laughs> Blood from a stone here on Candy. <laughs> Jack, what do we have on the website? We go to cannedairpodcast.com, check out our special guests, listen to the show, follow us on all our social media, become a patron, buy some merch, and even check out some videos from our YouTube page. And if you want to be a guest and promote your work, send us an email on our contacts page. And don't forget, on Facebook and Twitter, we are at cannedairpod. On Instagram, we are at canned underscore air. And if you really like what we do, head on down to Patreon. Throw a couple of bucks a month our way. And uh, it goes much, much further than you think. Hit that $5 threshold and you're in the Founders Club listening to our Patreon-exclusive podcast. Which uh, is getting its 12th episode this at the end, here in just a few days. So, yeah, every month that passes, that catalog gets bigger. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're going to have a whole lot more of can there to listen to. And it's more laid back. It is. 
Yeah, yeah. We don't we don't stop to it's a nice cough chill or, tone. Yeah, you get yeah, every cough you get and everything <laughs> behind the can. <laughs> there it is, behind the can, behind the can. Delabra, no, <laughs> just let that one die. And we are going to once again be going out on uh, our last Hail Sagan song from our three week residency called Hater Bait, the single that just was released a few weeks ago. Uh, we hope you like it. Uh, check them out at Hail Sagan Band on Twitter, and you can go to their website, HailSaganOfficial.com. And I want to thank uh, Sagan for uh, letting us feature their music again. Yeah. Uh, I love Very having cool. it on the show, and I think uh, I think they're grateful. I think they're appreciative of it. Mm-hmm. Something you we don't sure see are. typically out of bands, <laughs> yeah. you know? They're Maybe fair. this will bring them to Columbus because they're hitting all around us. I will look I at their They were in schedule. Kentucky, man. Yeah, they, they've hit Michigan, Kentucky, I think. Indiana, Illinois. Sagan, come like on. Forming a lasso Not around. Ohio, when are yeah. they going to tighten that loop? <laughs> come on, Ohio, come on. we got the Newport and the Alarosa, jeez. Yeah, we, there's plenty of places. Yeah. There's no excuse. No. No excuse. Once again, Hail Sagan, Hater Bait. Go pick it up on iTunes or wherever you get your music. And I think that's going to about do it for this week. That's so until sense. next time, I am Jeremy Colley. I'm Jack Doherty. I'm Jake Runyon. Kelly Brock. Thanks for listening, everyone. It's one thing to break a window, but it's another to blame Simple Billy. You should be inside listening to the Candare podcast. What about the window? I guess you shouldn't have broke it. Now we know. And knowing is half the battle. G.I. Joe!
again, happy retirement to you, uh, Carl Spinney. Did I get it right that time? I believe so. Or is it Carol? Carol. It's not Carl. Yeah, it's Carol. Carol. God damn it. Let me say that again. (laughs) (laughs) Science! 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 Hello, podcast fans. Want to get weird with us? Come check out the Mad Scientist Podcast. We are a weekly show that looks at the history, philosophy, and hard facts behind your biggest paranormal questions. Did the government really pay for a psychic spy program? Yes! Is it true that surgery got its start in grave robbing? Yes! Can a roller coaster really kill you? Legally, we can't say so for sure, but sometimes... Yes! Join myself, Chris Cogswell, and my co-host, Marie Mayhew, as we examine the science, philosophy, and history behind the strange and unusual. All to discover what's possible and plausible versus what's, well, just made up. Check us out wherever you find your favorite podcasts. The Mad Scientist Podcast.